Volume 3, Issue 131, Hitman, Blood Money. You can play along with Kane Rince Volume 3. The next five issues are Burnout 3, Takedown and Burnout Revenge, Street Fighter 2 series, To the Moon, Borderlands 2 and Banjo-Kazooie. You can head along to kaneandrince.com for the full schedule, the blog and links to our fantastic Summer Essential merchandise, as well as our Facebook page, Google Plus and YouTube channel. As always, please subscribe, review and rate us on iTunes. On this issue, we have Brian Tarran. Hello. James Carter. Hello. Jay Taylor. Howdy. And myself, your host for this show, Cal Moon. Well, we've had the oft-requested Hitman Blood Money show. It's here, it's been delayed, but we're recording it now. And just for note, we will cover the rest of the Hitman series in this show but it is predominantly going to be on Hitman Blood Money. We'll begin with our brief histories on the Hitman franchise as a whole, and then go into Hitman Blood Money. First of all, Jay. Well, I only came in with this, with the consoles, so I skipped altogether, obviously, Hitman Code 47. Never played it. And that probably had some impact on the rest of the series in terms of never knowing what the hell it was really about. <laughs> But the, um, yeah, I came in on Silent Assassin. I, I cannot, because it was so long ago now, I cannot remember what precisely drew, drove me to pick up the game. It was most likely at the time a magazine or, you know, a review. But um, picked it up, enjoyed it, and I've, I've kind of been on board with the series since then. I've got, you know, played the, uh, the Hitman Silent Assassin and contracts on the original Xbox and then got Blood Money on the 360. Uh, Brian, uh, I my first encounter with uh, Hitman was Hitman Two: Silent Assassin, and it was a very uh, frustrating half hour trying to complete the first level on a friend's PC, and I just I I couldn't get my head around it. And to be fair, I was more of a, a console gamer at the time, and I know it was available on the consoles, but I just found it I think overly complex, and I. D- I didn't really give it a chance. And so I left it. I I didn't really go back to the, the Hitman games until quite late on in the original Xbox life cycle. Uh, I was I picked up a Xbox quite late and I was working through the back catalogue, picking up games on the cheap. And uh, I just saw Blood Money for, I think it was under a tenner or something at the time. Took a punt on it and... Uh, and I've well, I've, there's only been one game since, but I've I've played both Blood Money and Absolution since. James, what are your thoughts and experiences as a history of the whole with the franchise? Yeah, I I came to uh, Hitman Two first, Silent Assassin. Uh, I was at university at the time and had a PC that I was just looking for games to to play on, um, and I I cannot remember how uh, I I got a hold of Hitman Two Silent Assassin, but I do remember that I spent a ridiculous amount of time playing it. Um, so from that moment on, really, uh, from the amount of time I spent with that, uh, making sure that I got Silent Assassin ratings on every level, um, I, I, I was following the series and uh, went back and played Hitman Codename 47, um, got Hitman Contracts when it came out, and then Blood Money uh, I played actually on PS2, because by that point my PC wasn't really up to, to playing um, despite the fact the engine's the same, it was a bit more strenuous. So I uh, played it on PS2 first and then um, picked up a copy on Xbox 360. Uh, 
in all honesty, mostly because of the achievements, because I knew I'd played it on PS2 to 100% completion, so I knew I could get the achievements, but it was just a chance to play through the game again, and I was all for that. Well, I originally came across Hitman uh, Codename 47 on a demo disc. I believe it was on the front of PC Gamer or PC Zone uh, back in the day I installed it, and I remember thinking how cool this whole thing was, because it was, it was very different to the other stealth games that we'd played. It was a lot slower paced, a lot more precise, and I thought it was brilliant until I had issues with the AI, um, which you know I'm sure we'll hear more about uh, and we'll discuss more in depth. And as a result, I never actually picked up the full game. It was one of those things, you know, you could see the potential of it, but the, the mm. little irks, the little frustrations, the quirks of that game sort of put me off buying it. As a result, I actually ignored Hitman 2 and Contracts um, for, for different reasons. I mean, at Hitman 2, I was very much um, in transition between what formats I was predominantly playing on. I, would, I was playing heavily playing Counter-Strike and Battlefield 942 at the time. And with Hitman Contracts, it was actually the year that I got into uni and I decided I was going to be sensible and you know focus on my education. And then Halo 2 came out and I was sort of sidetracked a bit. But when the next gen of consoles came out and we got Hitman Blood Money, obviously it was a universal release across all the formats. And it was very quiet on the Xbox 360 at the time. You know, we'd had that Christmas rush of all the ne- of all the new releases. So I picked up Blood Money, and it, it, it's it's something that it was interesting. It was sort of picked up on a whim, um, for the sake of of just having a new game more than anything. I you know having ignored the previous three Hitman games really as full retail releases, um, just having something to play at the time was was more the reason I picked it up, and then. As a result of my thoughts of Blood Money, I did pick up Hitman Abomination on day one. Well, we'll discuss further in depth on the earlier Hitman games because being Kane and Rinch, it would be negligent if we didn't. Um, unfortunately, only James has really played through Codename 47. So uh, what were your thoughts on Codename 47 as a whole then, James? It's, it's really quite rough, in all honesty. Um, we talked about uh, a similar sort of situation on the Burnout and Burnout 2 show that we did a few weeks ago now, where you can see all the kernels of ideas, and like you mentioned, Carl, you can see there's promise there, uh, a bit like maybe the first Assassin's Creed game, something like that. You can see the ideas they have, the idea of social stealth and disguises and suspicion meters uh, in terms of a, a different type of stealth to... Uh, the Splinter Cells or Thief or, or you know, uh, stealth games of, of the day back in 2000 um, or around that period. It, it was really quite different, um, but it was very awkward. Controls were a big issue. Um, there were environments that were open, as they are in most Hitman games, but they were really big environments and a lot of walking around not really knowing where you're going or what you're doing which is problematic, not necessarily in and of itself, but without uh, better direction and better level design to go with it, like you see in later games. Um, It just means that it's a very, very awkward game to go back to. And it was even back in 2003, 2004 when I played it. Um, It was really difficult to go back to. Um, Quite difficult, well, very difficult to play. Um, But as you mentioned it, it does fill in the backstory of Agent 47, which is that he is the 47th series of a cloning program um, that has sought to combine the DNA of five master criminals to create the 
perfect human, um, which sounds as ridiculous uh, as it is in the game. Um, but uh, it sets up Agent 47 as basically taking down uh, all five of these guys that, that he was cloned from um, and setting himself up as, as a hitman as he discovers who he, who he was. He doesn't know he's a clone at the beginning of the game. Uh, he finds out during the course. Um, that's really, in all honesty, all there is to say about it. it it's very difficult to suggest that's, it's worth going back to play. That's quite interesting in, in a sense because the thing is that one of the throughout the series, mm. one of the things that I've always had, always struggled with, is this kind of it. We'd always touch upon the cloning, like on one of the the missions. You know, you, you're always getting reference points within this mm. or within the narrative of each game, but. It never made any sense. Mm. But, like, I've never bothered to do the research on where all that stuff came from, like, yeah. you know, what the, the first game was all about. And that now sounds quite good in the way that it's, you know, it, it sounds interesting to me. I would, have, yeah. I would have been quite interested in playing it. I just always kind of hated all the kind of almost innuendo of the stuff referencing from the first game that you got in mm. the latter games. And, and it always felt really vague and almost inconsequential like uh, for, for a long time with this series i've often wondered was any of this stuff really necessary all the clone stuff could mm. they just not have just made him as a hitman and, and got away done away with all that guff but i guess it's just that the you know um i guess it, it lacked context for me that was the biggest yeah, problem with yeah. it i think and i think that's the the big issue is with um with all of the first four hitman games i would argue is that when you read through the plot summary, um, say on Wikipedia or wherever, a lot of it you're not actually told necessarily in the game, which can be a really interesting way of doing the storytelling. But what it struck me as, and it's it's absolutely apparent um, when we get to um, Silent Assassin, that the story could be interesting, but it, it's played down a lot as if maybe I were scared of putting the story to the fore and and that taking away from the gameplay the the mission structure doesn't leave a lot of space in between times for storytelling and each mission tends to be uh, self-contained and, and there's very little extra information you're given even if the people you're hunting down as in codename 47 are very integral to the overall story that's going on you're not necessarily given a lot of information about who they are what they're doing and why you're mm. being asked to kill them um and that was, yeah, and in the first game, the, the people, essentially the five people you end up uh, going to take down, the five main um, characters you're going to take down, um, are incredibly important to who... Yeah, Agent you're basically killing is, your yeah. multiple dads. Your multiple fathers, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, in the, uh, with something like Hitman, um, where the levels were very much individual, you know, scenarios... Mm. Uh, to the benefit of the gameplay, yeah. it, it's always one of those things where, you know, it comes to the detriment of a story. And the first four games uh, were very much lots of individual set pieces. And I, I think mm -hmm. there was a story there. And if you actually read into the lore of the Hitman games as a whole, it, it's quite in-depth. I mean, the series has produced two books uh, and yeah. a lot of fan fiction which is really crazy for a character that's often questioned as, well, not actually having character. Um, and 
I think I don't think you could actually blame someone for playing through these games and then being questioned on the story and not actually knowing that there was one. They, they probably couldn't tell you anything back about them, and and it's it's sort of a real shame. Whereas you know with with Hitman Absolution, they sort of went for the story and then everyone complained that you know there was nothing special about the set pieces. So they're a bit in a strange situation because as a whole, I know that uh, that IO actually tried to separate. Hitman from the other games. Uh, I know you mentioned the games at the time, James. You got obviously mm. the 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 obvious comparisons: uh, Thief, Metal Gear Solid, and Splinter Cell. And Hitman very much stands as its own game in that in that series. And I think they were very happy with that. You know, they were they were happy that they had their own sort of niche in the stealth genre. And as a result, they didn't try and change the formula too much. But they also tried to include a story, and it, it all becomes a bit sort of mumbled like there's no real sort of defined game direction in the in those games and that, i think that's a bit of a shame that's something that io have, have had problems with across a lot of their games i mean the you know not just the hitman stuff but the Kane and lynch stuff is is some it's terrible story writing and ter- storytelling in their games uh you know they're, they're not it's not unusual i've never played mini ninjas but I got to say that that one didn't look too bad. But then maybe because it's such a simplified story. But I don't know. It yeah, might have been terrible. It, it, that was quite a popular game, and I think this is a strange one because this is, you know, this is far from the first time that we've discussed Scandinavian games design on Kane Rince, as you know, fate would have it. But this is probably the first time we've actively, or we're actively going to criticise the way a story's been told in one of those games. You know, with with the many Starbreeze games we've covered with The Darkness and Brothers. Uh, you know, we've got the upcoming show on Riddick and um, Alan Wake, well. of course, from Finland, and Max Payne, um, all from Remedy. And uh, those always tried to tell a whole story. They might not have always been successful, but you could always discuss the story afterwards. You know, they've got a great legacy of telling fantastic stories. And with Hitman, they just... They're, that might as well have not been one. It might as well have just been set piece to piece or been a game that actually flowed. And it, it, it becomes the biggest frustration of the game, really, because you like you always have that question, why am I doing this? And I, I think if you're going to try and tell a story, that shouldn't be the thoughts that you have as a player. And that that was always my early thoughts playing you know, the early games. Obviously, I only played the demo for Codename 47, and that was one of my thoughts was, you know, I, there was no discussion of the story. It was straight in, why am I doing this? And, of course, I did all my research because I, I was sort of ridiculously reading into games and stuff at that period of time. I don't know. I thought I was going to be a professional journalist and I needed this to be this font of knowledge. And, again, with Silent Assassin, I didn't sort of get that and then I ignored I, I admit I totally ignored contracts. And with Blood Money, by that point, it felt like I was maybe too far down the story. You know, it was trying to tell stuff in the story, mm. and I was—it was, it all felt like a mess. Um, I don't think that necessarily detracts. So it, it didn't become a focal point for me. I mean, I have—I've played through Blood Money twice, and if you ask me who who I was killing and why I was killing them, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But I think to a to a large degree, it works as individual mm. set pieces because you know the character of Forty Seven is a man that he doesn't have to think why he's doing something. He's, he's ah. being paid to do something. So the overarching uh, arching story is kind of unnecessary. He doesn't need a justification for it. I kind of feel the same with that. I've often, because yeah. I, 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 you know, as, 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 as I've said before on other shows, that I, I like a good story. I enjoy a good narrative in, in a game. But with the funny thing with the Hitman games is I kind of 
for me, when I'm playing a Hitman game, the I, I don't care about the over the overall kind of plot. The only thing I'm interested in is getting that target. So it's just like each little mini narrative, if you will. Mm. And you know, there's always little sort of aspects to the the, the individual's personality that you'll find, or you'll like, you know, um, with the first mission on the uh, on Blood Money, which is the uh, swinking. You know, where you you kind of you have the newspaper articles, and you have that little cutscene at the beginning, which gives it as much context as I felt it needed. Mm. Mm. So it was like. Throughout the series, I mean, as I, as we sort of, we just chatted before we recorded, that I was saying that I I can't differentiate at this stage between Silent Assassin and Contracts. To me, those games just merge into a mass of different missions. Um, you know, I can't separate the two. And, and in some ways, the only reason I can separate Blood Money from those is because it was the first game that I played in HD, and it was on one of the more modern systems. But if it had been on the original Xbox, I'm sure all three games would have just merged into one, you know, yeah. amalgamated mess. But yeah. and I mean, I always I, I see Blood Money um, or the, the Hitman games historically before Absolution as being uh, 3D puzzle games. Essentially, they are. Mm. There's a, a a solution that you need to find a person you need to take down, and there's multiple ways of getting there, and. I th- you know, as in all puzzle games, you don't really need a, a narrative justification for trying to find a solution. It's just about finding the most perfect, mm. uh, most efficient route through it. And that's what I've always enjoyed about mm. Blood Money. I think whilst that's true, I, th- I think I've, I've said several times on, on the show that I can accept a game like that. I can accept a, a mind off, you know, switch your mind off corridor shooter, whatever. My issue comes when a game is trying to tell a story. and you know, it keeps trying to push it on you. And between chapter to chapter, it did in the Hitman games, it tried to continue this narrative and it felt like they were trying to force a story in there that didn't that didn't necessarily flow with the, the gameplay and it became very detached. And I think that's why it's annoying, especially when you read up on it later and you actually think, well, you know, that's quite a good story. As James mentioned earlier about the, the cloning program and, and Jay, you said that actually sounds quite good. It it does genuinely sound quite good, and it is there. And if you actually read up on it, it's really interesting. And I think that is why it's been able to spawn to fully-fledged retail books. And it just feels like they didn't know how to deliver the story more than the, the new the story they wanted to do, just they, they couldn't quite get it in the game and, and, and get it to work. But but that said, if, if bringing the story to the fore would have interrupted with the gameplay, which I think what um, Brian and, and Jay are saying, and better to leave the story in the background and concentrate on making the game and the individual missions um, as fun and as well-designed as they can be, rather than bring story mm. to the fore and have it interrupt the missions, you know, start trying to seed it throughout the mission and have it interrupt the flow or have a cutscene to explain it or have to have 47 yeah. stop mid-mission and read something, it just would have broken that up. So I, 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 I would have preferred if they found a better way to bring the story to the fore, but if their choice was yeah. to let it sit back and let the game speak for itself, I'm kind of okay with that. It's one, it's one of those things in retrospect where if you look where there were for the first four games with the, you know, the broken story and arguably the great gameplay, and then with Hitman Absolution, where the story and the, the, the so-so gameplay... I would find it hard to sort of disagree with what you've just said, James, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. But at the same time, I do like of 
you know, a fully formed story to be told to me at the same time. And if you're going to try to do it, I, I think, you know, that that's part of your responsibility is to deliver it correctly. I mean, with Blood Money, I mean, the, the weird thing about it is the story is encapsulated within all the cutscenes between the missions. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, when I was replaying it recently, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost finding it amusing how they introduced the missions. You know, they were, you've got this CIA guy and you've got this journalist talking in these sort of cutscenes uh, about how, you know, and it's building up to him saying that he, they've taken, taken uh, Agent 47 out. And, you know, they say it wasn't until after the um, the ferry boat incident and you think, and then, and then it introduces a mission and then you kind of think, oh, wow, that's really kind of terrible how they do this, isn't it? And you just think like they just, they just filled in the blanks after they made all the missions up. I mean, with the exception yeah. of the final one, which does play into sort of culminates with the, with the characters in, in, in the cutscenes, but okay. you kind of think really, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's a strange thing, but this, this, the funny thing, thing with me and the hitman games is they kind of with every game i mean like james said at the beginning that the first game was these big expansive areas with with no real kind of um indication on how or where to go with the mission and I've, that's kind of how i found the hitman games in general mm-hmm. because they've they've got like these big open areas and there's so little hand holding like you get your initial um like your initial mission from Diana and she's giving you a description and telling you why, who you need to kill and, 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 and giving you like the alternative, the um, additional stuff, if you, if you can set it up that way, but you kind of, but once you get in there, there's so little in terms of, you, you don't get any markers telling you that's where you need to go, go in this direction, pick this up. It's just there. And, on on a lot on some levels, you think that's really I, I can't make my mind up whether it's just kind of terrible game design or deliberately, you know, great stuff. You know, in terms of the way that they've done it, because it's the thing that always I always like. I always love just tr- figuring out these different techniques. And even now, when I look at YouTube, I think I didn't know you could do that in that mission. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and that's the thing that's always kind of that it's the thing that I've always loved about these games because there's so so much to hate. Because you've got really terrible narrative, you've got terrible character animation, and you know really off, grotesque looking character models, and and all that. And yet, for some reason, I I really like the Hitman games. Yeah, it's it's almost like two wrongs do make a right with the series at yeah. times. Well, I'd, I'd say it's great game design because the fact that I mean I don't know how you guys have tended to play it, but I'm assuming I'm not unusual in that every level. I play through, I complete. If I don't get that silent assassin rating, I go back, I try it again. I keep doing it over and over. Mm. It, it's a game that kind of encourages perfection without explicitly demanding it of you. Mm. And that you feel like you want to do it the right way, even though the developer hasn't necessarily laid down a prescriptive right way of completing it. And I think that is is probably the mark of a, a really well-designed sandbox puzzle game in that you do want to keep trying you do want to perfect your run you do want to do it with no Mm. saves and no witnesses and no evidence being left behind and certainly i you know i know from the going back to it a second time the first six levels of blood money i knew inside out and i think Mm. i probably burnt out on doing that on going through those levels four or five times each because the latter half of the game i could barely remember at all in the case of hitman blood money of course they did bring new features in um, it was almost like uh, they were 
they were trying to offer more options towards a successful silent assassin rating um as brian said it was became more of an open-ended puzzle they added uh it, because it was created on a different engine they added the new abilities um such as the hiding the bodies the uh in dumpsters and stuff the the proper weapon upgrades um they added a full notoriety which ran through the background of the entire game which was quite interesting where you know you started with a notoriety rating of zero and with witnesses or the way you handled it your notoriety would go up level to level uh, until obviously at level 100 everyone knew who you were and you were no longer this you know in the shadows hitman but you know everyone saw your face and then probably the best addition was the accidents the way the way that they added that every mission could could be completed in a manner that made it look like you weren't even there like they weren't assassinated in any manner that there were just something had gone wrong be it a chandelier dropping on someone or uh, a gas oven exploding and i think my drive throughout the game was probably more towards finding how to trigger these accidents how you you know made these mm. happen and there were almost there was a real dark humor i mean there always has been to the hitman games but probably more so in blood money it was you know it was really funny and the thing with agent 47 is all his targets are always bad people. He, he never assassinates anyone who's truly innocent, which probably isn't mentioned enough in the games or, or, or shown towards. But they're always a drug lord or a you know a, a weapons um, lord or you know somebody that's always bringing the world into disrepute. And because Agent Forty Seven lives in this world where he suffers from the same thing, he's doing bad people. He's never going to get respite or you know solace. He sort of has to go until you know he's sort of expired. Um, in taking these people out. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's a big uh, part of uh, Hitman 2, Silent Assassin, is that after the events of the first game, uh, Agent 47 retires and goes to live in a church in Sicily and basically spend the rest of his life in penance at looking for salvation and redemption. Um, and uh, and is dragged back in. Uh, but, but again every one of the contracts that he has given yes you're always left in no doubt that these are people who are uh not not just bad people not just criminals but reprehensible people for the most part and and you do get enough from the story to know that these people are um are you almost feel justified in killing them if that's at all possible um but i, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there carl which is through the progression of these of the first three games certainly and then in, into blood money it, it's it's not necessarily that there's bad game design i think the the ideas behind the game and the mechanics that they add in and layer in on top of one another um work well when i talk about the first one feeling like it's a bit directionless i think it's more about the level design in that case and what you do see throughout the the hitman series um culminating in blood money i think is that the level design gets better and better and they fill it fill out the the levels the areas they're still expansive they're still big there's still no um no direct indication to the player where to go but what they do start doing is seeding in more and more detail that gives hints that you know if you see a treehouse maybe you go up there well that's a sniper spot do you have a rifle do you have pellets to put in it it's an air rifle as it turns out um you, you, what you, they start doing is start seeding in extra information and extra um, little hints and tells that there are other possibilities in these levels and in these spaces. And that was what was really missing in the first game. Um, 
and, and the the first three games, I think, or certainly uh, Silent Assassin and, and Contracts, part of the reason they blend together is that they didn't do much to the engine between those two games. Um, what they did with Contracts was go back and basically remake the first game, but in the way they, they'd made Silent Assassin. So with that extra... Um, that extra layer of level design, that extra humor that they put into the games, which um, is again is right on the fore in, in Blood Money, that kind of uh, dark comic sardonic humor that they have. Um, they put that into into some of the areas in in the uh, from the first game uh, as they're being retold in flashback in contracts, um, and and Blood Money does seem quite distinct from the others. Um, not because it's, they're still all called the Glacier Engine, but they've so heavily retooled the Glacier Engine by Blood Money that it does seem distinct from Contracts and Silent Assassin, in my mind at least. Um, but when we come to talk about controls on these games, mm-hmm. I think that's <laughs> where you can really see the lineage follows through. Um, the way you play these games is ostensibly very, very similar from one through to, through to Blood Money. I think um, with Hitman, the way I originally saw the franchise, the way it started, was it was what I would describe as a very PC game, and that's not politically correct. It's just in the way that it controlled. It was something that was clearly geared towards a certain audience at the time, and I assume that's why we never actually Mm. saw it on consoles. The problem is it took them way too long to sort of steer away from that that method and and when you've got a keyboard and and a mouse and you have all these different keys mm. to run all these different controls it doesn't necessarily feel that clumsy but mm. i'd think you'd be hard pressed to find that in my case because obviously i rejoined the series at blood money you would be hard pressed to find anyone who played that on consoles and said that they nailed those controls because for me they are some of the trickiest most certainly unorthodox awful controls to use in any game of the last generation from you know the the tossing of the coin by clicking the thumbstick in and throwing it forwards and um the the, the buttons seemingly to be you know decided at the last second and nothing seems to flow there's n- nothing sort of relates to other games you know like when you play a shooter you expect the you know there's certain features don't you this square's going to be reload and and the triggers are going to be aim and shoot with with blood money there was absolutely none of that you knew the controls to Hitman Blood Money purely via messing up time and time again and sort of getting it right. And I think that's arguably going to be my biggest bugbear overall on, on, on that game. Um, but, the, the, you know, the, there was a lot in the game, and I think it's one of those things, if you actually ever get a handle on them, there is quite a lot of freedom to the things that you can do in that game. And it's, you know, it, the, the sort of the creativity really opens because... You know, part of the engine is that whilst you can shoot someone and, and Hitman Blood Money was the first way you could actually take someone, use them as a human shield, that game was so poor as a shooter that you never actually wanted to. Um, you know, I think it's, it's similar to something that we mentioned back on the Mirror's Edge podcast where y- you can use a gun as faith in that game, but it, the, the shooting mechanic, and it's so naff that you're probably just better off ignoring it and then you've got that thing, that, you know, maybe she shouldn't have been good with weapons anyway. And it was something with Hitman Blood Money that, because the shooting was so bad, I would never, ever attempt to use it. So I would always find the method that could have me stealthily taking people out with a garrote wire or using the, the uh, syringe needles to either kill or or knock them unconscious and dump them in dumpsters or, you know, simply go without being seen because Hitman Blood Money can, after all, be completed without firing a single shot. 
which you know is is the mark of creative game design something that something like dishonored has managed um so that game certainly has its highs and lows in in its design and i think probably the biggest low is those controls how did you how did you guys find it terrible <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of, I don't remember having any problem with the controls back in the day, but coming back to it mm. like this year and you're sitting there thinking, and I'm questioning why I didn't have a problem with it because it feels so counterintuitive now to, to what you would expect. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I put it down to just the fact that, you know, times have changed and, and controls specifically have been refined it's like you, you you just said that you feel it was a game that's designed for keyboard and mouse there's something in the way that that crosshair is controlled that made me think that straight away that this is not designed for joypad because it feels like you've got to have that kind of precision all the time that you get with a keyboard and mouse um when you're sh like you said about shooting I, I i died so many times when I when I started this again, because I would I would just run I wanted to just run through these levels to to refresh my memory, and that was like I'd always have the silver ballers. I would go in aiming to start playing as stealth, mm -hmm. but then along the way something goes wrong. You get spotted, or a guard is a little too keen, and then you know basically it's like okay, that's that's that level done. Then let's just kill everybody from here on in. But I ended up dying so often, and then I had to put it with that ridiculously expanded death scene yeah. every single time where you you you, <laughs> yeah. you your whole the whole screen everything starts to slow down and then it goes the the screen starts to turn red and it takes about what about a minute if you let it play out each and every yeah, time it's, yeah it's, it's yeah. crazy yeah you i mean admittedly you can just press start and, and, and restart and there you go but you know it's i i do remember when when i started doing this again that there were times where I would forget to save at the uh, during a mission, mm. and then you would get that situation where you die, and you realise you've got to go all the way back to the beginning. And there were times uh, that I do remember being frustrated with with the original game, but but yeah, I found the biggest problem as tends to happen when when they're featuring games is that is the context sensitive uh, button prompts. So things mm. I I often got caught out by uh, you know trying to grab hold of a body to hide it. And then I'd keep changing into and out of a different uniform or picking up their <laughs> weapon or their key card or whatever it would be. And I found that to be the uh, the biggest issue with the controls. I think having not played it on PC uh, beforehand, it was easy enough to get to grips with the some of the uh, more peculiarities of the of the system. You know, just moving around in the world was fine generally. But it, when it required you to do an action quickly when you had a window of opportunity to complete something. That was when the, the problems started, I think, with the control system. I'll tell you what he doesn't ever do quickly, and that's reload his guns. Yeah. No. Um, no. The amount of time, nearly every single time I would die is because I get caught in a reload, and he insists on reloading both of those silver ballers as slowly as possible. <laughs> and he was just like... Oh no! The amount of times I would just turn the character around and start running away from things because I'm trying to reload the guns. It was just it. it, it I don't know. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. But as you know, as Carl said, it's a game where you can uh, do it without firing a shot. So yeah. and, and I didn't yeah. really. I didn't. Uh, I think maybe use the sniper rifle once, uh, so that didn't become an issue apart from maybe the very last level, uh, the um, the end credit sequence where it becomes a oh, well, yeah, that third person shooting. Yeah. yeah, or a 
I think that, that's pretty shooter. standard, though, isn't it? For the um, for the Hitman games, they always tend to end on a more action-packed, sort of John Woo-style, shoot-everyone-out sort of finish. Um, and obviously, Hitman Blood Money was absolutely no different mm. in, in that regard. And unfortunately, yeah, you sort of do have to lower yourself to the standards <laughs> of, that, of that shooting mechanic. Well, the, the reason for that is that in, in each of... Each of these games, what what they essentially do is that the narrative that strings all these missions together is inexorably that Agent 47 has been contracted to do all of these missions by one single party that had some kind of ulterior motive, and he ends up going to take them out in the end. Um, so that's why it devolves into a, an action level at the end, is because that's the bow on top of the narrative that you probably didn't realise was happening, um, unfortunately. Um but yeah, that's why in I, th- I think I'm right in saying in every single one of these these games, the the people you are killing at the end are the ones who uh, tried to manipulate you by sending you on all these contracts for their own mm-hmm. means, and then tried to wipe Agent Forty Seven out at the end of all that, or uh, before he realised what was going on. And and the last level is is the the coup de grace. He mm-hmm. he wipes the slate slate clean uh, in in order to then embark on another ridiculous series of missions the next game so so it's kind of funny when you say it like that because basically what you're saying is agent 47 in every game is a bit of a patsy for somebody else yeah and I he mean, just yeah, yeah he just yeah. ends up getting used and, yeah. and he never learns <laughs> it's just no. well, and, i mean it, he is he is by virtue of the fact that he works for the agency and he just gets contracts from them and doesn't ask any questions more than that i guess so yeah, at least he should be blaming the people who employ him for not mm. vetting the contracts a bit better, I suppose. I mean, Agent Forty Seven as a whole is is someone who, um, obviously puts himself in that position to be used. You know, you say he doesn't ask any questions, but yeah. he he has what he would, well, not a friend, but certainly an ally, um, in in his handler, yeah. and. You know, the Blood Money obviously takes a, a, a twist in story and, you know, obviously a spoiler warning to anyone who has made it this far without, you know, getting spoiled on the story thus far. It, not that it really matters. Um, in the prelude, in the penultimate level, she obviously comes to your hideout um, and ends up injecting you in the back with what is seemingly a fatal injection, ending the, the you know, the... Uh, the con- the connection with the company, uh, which you know you you're alerted that there's only you and her left, and there's a certain amount of money, and it, it, it's made clear that that she's essentially assassinated you on your faith and trust in her to take the money, where you end up in what is a very nice graveyard, <laughs> essentially on on a slab, uh, being viewed by the CIA agent who has been telling stories to the news reporter because obviously every level is taken as a flashback uh, as part of the story of the journalist taking the story where, you know, you've got Ave Maria playing and it's all very sort of white and and sort of heavenly when you could suddenly are alerted to sort of beat the triggers uh, and your heartbeat starts beating up until you sort of realise that it's actually only a sort of temporary paralysis that you've been put into. Um, to sort of clear the room of the of the final villains in that in that final shootout, which is is quite an interesting take because as it's happening, the credits are actually rolling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you actually interrupt the end credits to sort of play out the epilogue of the game. 
the the funny thing with that is I, I was playing it again. I couldn't remember what I was supposed to do because it didn't prompt you. It doesn't tell you, does it? There's no prompts mm. like turn sticks or you know little indicators showing this or sticks waggling in the corner or something. It's just it's just right there. You go and I was basically just moving the camera around and every now and again you get the heartbeat. Mm. And then I'm just thinking, and, and and I'm literally doing this for like five minutes, thinking, is, <laughs> what am I supposed to do it? And I couldn't remember. So I started pressing buttons and nothing's happening. And it wasn't until I started moving the camera around faster and faster that I realized, oh, that's having the, oh, it's that, that right. <laughs> and then I literally died instantly when I realized I had to fight all these guys and just <laughs> yeah, stood yeah. there like a clown. But it's just... Uh, Oh, I, don't know. I like the fact that if you leave it, though, you end up in the uh, cremation oven. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a nice touch. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There has been times, like the first time I played it, where, like, yeah, I didn't really know what to do, and it just, you know, the credits were playing, and then it was like, game over. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, the, 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 it just seemed so weird to me. I was like, I know it's game over. The credits are playing. And then you obviously realise that, that when she leans over and she kisses you, she's obviously put the, the treatment on the lips, which sort of brings you back around. And... At that point, you're supposed to sort of, sort of shock yourself alive by beating the buttons in you know in true video gaming sense. But uh, it, it's certainly sort of an interesting take um, to sort of come out of the credits and have the shootout. It's actually something that I quite like, and it's something that um, I, I originally I loaned my copy of my game to my friend because I didn't really get on with Hitman Blood Money. Um, and he was very much a stealth fan. And he was, uh, throughout our youth, if we ever played a stealth game, I'd sort of, I liked the concept of them and I'd buy them, but, I'd, you know, we'd sort of play them together or I'd watch him play them. And he was telling me, he was saying, you've got to play this game, it's really good. And then he was like, the ending, you know, he's like, I can't tell you. And then after I'd completed it, he said, oh, how good was the bit, you know, where you bring yourself back around and shoot everyone out? And it was like, yeah, actually, it was, you know, it was pretty good. I'm not going to get blown away by it, but <laughs> it was it was certainly you know a different take to the you know the the pacing of the rest of the game, which you know it's a very slow paced game. This is you know there's no denying that, and the, and the end out is very much sort of adrenaline fueled. Get the sort of the, the the final man cowering on his knees before you know slapping a bullet into his head, sort of finish. Yeah, I mean, right at the end there, that you you have. They literally, two or three of them, start running down the hill towards the gate that Diana's locked behind her, and she has just sentenced them all to death by waking you up in in that um, crematorium with, with every single person who knows about Agent 47 in there. So it's literally just, you know, um, it, it's just her decision to, to leave them all to die at your, at your hands. I was expecting I think- a twist at the end with the, the journalist because... That, mm. the, his hair on that character model, I, I thought at the end he's going to whip it off and he's going to be another clone as well because mm. I think that was the biggest crime of this game is designing a character that looked like that. It was horrendous. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> now, Hitman Blood Money was actually probably the first one to be taken seriously as an actual main mainstream release. I think perhaps the release to next-gen consoles might have helped, but it was actually nominated for three BAFTA awards. Um, now it was nominated for the best game it was nominated for artistic achievement and almost quite comically it was nominated for best characters now I'm not entirely sure if there was serious for that last one or <laughs> it was people getting together to sort of rig the polls so to say but you know it was actually taken quite seriously as a game um, 
And we've mentioned that everyone, you know, it's very much sort of level design based. You know, each is its own separate moment. And I think the reason that Blood Money was the most requested of the Hitman games that we cover was because everyone seems to have their own favourite level. It has 12 levels overall and 13 if you include the epilogue, which doesn't really count because it's nothing but a big shootout. But I'm assuming we all have our own favourites here, so I think we should probably discuss them. Um, Brian, what was your favourite? I think, well, I find it hard to pick between Curtains Down, A New Life and uh, Murder of Crows, but I think I'd go for, I'd, I'd plump for Curtains Down because it's it's linked to my favourite moment, I think, in, in that it was a way of uh, coming up with an accidental death for both the main targets in that game, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't yes. think they repeated earlier. Or, well, they did. Re- they repeated accidental deaths, but you could the way you tied the two together and they followed on was quite nicely. So it's set in a, uh, a performance theater. I think it's in France or something. Is it France or something? It's in like Paris, that? Yeah. yeah. Paris, yeah. And so you and you can sneak in. You can sneak into the uh, the supporting actors' dressing room, and one of your targets is the lead actor. Swap over the gun for a fake for a, a live weapon you can of course because when you go in you check your coat and the coat that you're checked in is already has the fake luger in it um as part of the agency mission yeah that's right yeah yeah although i yeah. missed that the, uh, when i played it through the second time i kept trying to figure out where the gun was uh but but i love the way you could do that and you can rig an explosive above a chandelier and so the other targets watching the performance you know the the uh, supporting actor uh, accidentally assassinates the lead actor. The other guy comes running down. You trigger the bomb at the right time, and the chandelier falls on the head. And then you get away scot free. And I didn't. I was hoping for more of those sorts of sort of uh, connected kills or multi level kills, but I didn't. I didn't really get that through other levels. And for that reason, I think Curtains Down would probably be my favourite. Now, I, I think Curtains Down was probably their showcase level because in interviews between uh, Rasmus Horgengard and who was the the game director for this game and um, a site such as Shack News, which is a, a, an interview that I read through. When discussing features for this game and the accidental deaths, it always seemed to be curtains down that they would reference because that was the new open world that they were they were in for the, the sort of the freedom to approach it in different ways. And I think obviously curtains down is obviously a, a famous one because you actually get to see the assassination happen at someone else's hands whilst you sort of stand there and admire the handiwork. Um, mm which, you know, in, in a sort of a dark humour way is something that I actually quite enjoyed. Um, in, in in terms of levels, what was your absolute favourite, Jay? Um, I would probably... It's a difficult one because there's some of the levels that I, I did find particularly interesting, um, things like um, Till Death Do Us Part, I, I enjoyed just trying to figure mm-hmm. out all the different variants in, in taking care of people, which yeah. is, is one of those levels that you can have a bit of fun with. But... Probably, probably the my favourite of them all. Um, probably a dance with the devil. Um, just because I like the way that that whole uh, mission is kind of split between the floors of the the building. You've got to go for you know. Well, depending on how you take it, you can either go to, you know, the but first you've got to get into the the building. Which for for the longest time when I first started playing, it took me ages to figure out well how or where or how I was supposed to do it. Because, like I said, there's no hand holding. It's just it's just stuff's there, and you have to sort of find it. 
but then you've got to go into the basement or or, or to the uh, penthouse and or vice versa, whichever way, and just take out the targets. And I just enjoyed the level. I just thought it was that that kind of variation between the two sort of areas was was interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a heaven and hell nightclub party, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, that is one of the I remember that one myself being very very big. Um, and obviously the only sort of feature that you sort of have to sort of find at your targets is a map, which is essentially made up of lots of floors and lots of levels where you can sort of mm. track your main target. And it's not the easiest map to read in a game. Um, and I think it, it, the, the interesting thing with the dance of the devil is you actually have a run in with a, a character in a shootout. Don't you? He knows who you are. He has sort of recognizes yeah. you. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the, that's a, a sort of a strange bit. And he sort of offers you to a shootout. In, in one of the back rooms of a nightclub. Yeah, you see that that's quite interesting because I've 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 usually tucked him out differently. I've usually either set explosives on doors or or done you know it, it, that, and I guess that's the the thing that we we've said about the series is you, you've got a uh, so much scope in how you approach the stuff that that's what I've always found quite interesting is just you know some day, sometimes you'll just go in with the biggest gun you can find and just you know, annihilate the targets immediately with just the higher, you know, with severe firepower. Other times it's like you can spend an hour kind of meticulously sort of waiting and planning your, your move and stuff. And I guess that's, you know, it's, it's kind of what's great about them, about a lot of the levels. Yeah, I think Heaven and, uh, was it Heaven and Hell or did you say it's Dance with the Devil? Dance with the Devil. I think that's, yeah, that's probably the most, I said earlier that, that I, fully remembered the the first six or so levels and then the second half were uh pretty vague but uh that dance with the devil level is definitely uh a standout i think in terms of visual design it was it was lodged in my brain when i came back to it and when i was thinking about playing it again that you know that those characters the the angels and the demons they 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 came mm. back and i think that's a, a quite it's quite a nice showcase of io's design on that level maybe not so much about their female design no, i think no. on those levels but <laughs> no. it's just <laughs> but um i mean it's 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 a, it's a weird thing so funnily enough you know as you as we've been sort of looking into the show as building up i see what people have been writing and stuff and it's always a strange thing how people perceive this and i've always i think it's becoming more of an issue as time has gone on but they've got a there's a there's a strange sort of sense with with them as a developer with the content they that they have a tendency to put in these games, but these games in particular, you know, they've had levels in like bondage clubs and S and M clubs and stuff. And you kind of think, well, you know, they've got a very strange, I'll say backwards approach to female characters. Yeah. What do you think of the, uh, cause people, people reference the idea that uh, these characters look like they do because that's the way Agent 47 views them as sort of these grotesque human caricatures. But I don't know if I buy that as an no, explanation. Not, no. I think that, yeah, yeah, that's an explanation after the fact. I think they are clearly caricatures, including the men, you know, b- between yeah. the, the big um, sort of burly, muscly um, guys and the, the sort of fat slobs that you're supposed to dislike. They're all clearly caricatures, but it just seems a little bit concerning that the female mm. characters are all one caricature, whereas the males, at least, they managed to have a diversity of caricatures. I, I think that's... To me, that sounds like papering over. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that's the way they did it. That seems like an explanation to account for the fact that you can only have a certain number of character models in the game, and these are the character models they've chosen. Um, 
maybe that was their intent all along and maybe it is a technical limitation but it, it doesn't have to be that every female character is you know dressed the way they are dressed and, and yeah. animated the way they're animated it's i don't buy it's, that yeah. as an excuse i don't buy it because this stuff play has and right up until their latest game has played into their advertisement of these titles as well i mean I'd totally forgotten about their print ads for Blood Money until I was Googling the stuff. Mm. And you're like, yeah. how the hell? Really? Like, I, I was amazed. And why? I mean, I don't know why I didn't. They maybe didn't stand out in the way that they do now on, on when you Google stuff, in the way that they would have done it back at the time in magazines. Mm. It could be missed. But, like, you look at this stuff now and you think, that's quite disturbing, really. It's it's quite disturbing imagery, and it's sexualized female forms with you know and and violence, and you just think where and 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 it's something that they've been accused of throughout this series, and I I do question. I can't help but be cynical about this, and that they know exactly what they're doing, and they know it garners headlines and controversy, and they use it to sell their yeah. product, and it won't be until a time comes where they get burnt for it badly. Um, I mean, but it, it's sort of, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, we all know that controversy drives yeah. video game uh, interest and I always never steered too far away from controversy. And, you know, three times they've, they've been held in the media for either bad handling of the actual media or the, the content of the games. And it's just, this goes way back to Silent Assassin, um, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, which I'm not sure if it was in the version you played, James, or if you'd played it, but they, they actually patched it out, um, where one of the missions yeah. involved Agent 47 actually targeting um, those of the Sikh religion in their own holy ground. Where there had been a massacre um, in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember this. Yeah, because they, yeah. yeah. And that never made the consoles. Yeah, no. It was, it was already... So you know, it never made because this this game actually released across well, the, the level. Xbox, did, but the characters, but the, the character Cube. models were changed, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely, and, and it had to be because you you can't just go around sort of um, disrespecting you know religious views like that, mm. and that is very clumsy handling. And I can't see how they ever thought that that wouldn't be controversial. And of course, you've mentioned the advertising campaign for Blood Money, which. You know, pat me. I actually quite like that advertising campaign. It is shocking, and I can understand why there were complaints because there are no real age rating on magazines. Which, you know, it's the kind of thing that if if you could, you know, see those adverts in magazines after sort of ten o'clock, you'd think that's really clever. But that that's not the case. And I actually really appreciated it as a quality, but I can also understand why it was controversial because essentially it it, it was three people executed in the head. Uh, visibly with a gunshot wound with a clever, uh, a clever slogan such as there was one of a, uh, a cellist, you know, slumped back in a chair with a bullet hole in his head and it was classically executed, was written on it. And um, I think there was another with a model spread across the bed sheets with a, uh, you know, naked under the, uh, with just the sheets drooped over with uh, beautifully executed or something along those lines. And, for me, that was quite clever, but again, controversial. And of course, everyone remembers the Hitman Absolution one where they showed the trailer with the nuns in leather and rubber, um, you know, pulling out these assault rifles on an assault on uh, Agent 47. And that was controversial for two reasons. One, because the imagery, again, was quite offensive. And two, because it sort of signaled everything that people didn't like about the Hitman games. Um, 
And it, it, there was also the, you know, to add to the controversy of Absolution, they actually dropped David Bateson as the the voice and image of Agent 47 for some reason. And later the brand director, uh, John Brooks, said his absence made them realise they wanted him. It wasn't the outcry of the internet <laughs> abusing uh, I.O. It was actually John Brooks said that the uh, the fact that he wasn't in the recording booth, they had to get him in, which sounds soppy, but again... Yeah, Much but like you know, you, you sounds know, like the, excuse when, after the fact. To to me, the difference between um, having a sexualized imagery on a, on a trailer to sell your game, and then a controversy of changing the voice actor, not really on the same level, really, are they? I have a lot of love for the, the Hitman games. I enjoy them, but the, the, there is part of me that, and it's just the general feeling towards a lot of game makers these days is grow up. You know, yeah. it's like I know this stuff. You think this stuff is selling your games, but it's just slowly eating away at everything that's, you know, that we want to change about this industry. And there'll come a point where there'll be a balance struck. But right now, that we're not we're not balanced, and we need, you know, we need these developers of these big titles and these known franchises to start taking them and start putting a little bit more thought into the content that they're putting in there. And you know, there's there's been recent issues with Kojima with the same thing. It's like don't think that your name gives you a free pass. It doesn't. And it's the same with the Hitman things. It's like, get a grip in this stuff. And, and to- yeah. I don't know, like, when I say tone it down, it sounds like terrible, you know, like yeah, you know, I'm some old curmudgeon yeah. about this stuff. But it's like, you know, come on, we, we, we all want this industry to be taken seriously. And that stuff is not helping, yeah. really, on any level. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. It, it's on the name, the actual basis of the, the company name or the franchise name, or like you said, Kojima's name. It's their responsibility to actually increase the quality of performance and, and the standards uh, and a, a quality that, that people actually want this, you know, this industry to sort of be like. And they seem to, uh, as you alluded to, use it as a free pass to go the other way, which is a little bit inexcusable. And it's certainly um, something that you can be critical of in Hitman. And they'll probably say that, you know, you're not really executing women in games and stuff, but it's it's... They're handled so cheaply that it's actually a little bit upsetting, a little bit... It's it's very disrespectful. Um, and, you know, they, they only went to go and highlight that mm. with with that Well, I always... I, I mean, without wanting to spend too long on, on the subject, because obviously we were running out of time, but the... The the problem is is their excuses always ring false afterwards. Oh, we we you know we, that's not what we meant. We didn't we didn't know you you of course you knew absolutely yeah. knew what the reaction was going to be and don't even think you can pull the wool over our eyes with that stuff anyway. It is known that sex sells and sex and violence it gets people's attention. It gets people's blood up when you do it in such a way as well. And it's you know that that's going to give you an innumerable number of, of uh, you know, website links and, and posts on f- forums and all the rest of it. In Each and every one of them is valuable to you, you know, in order to publicize your game. If That is, of course, only if you're a cynical marketing sort of geezer who thinks that that stuff's kind of going to get people's attention, yeah. which it does, but really? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely spot on as far as... Um Two things you said there, Jay, really struck true for me is is their excuses. Uh, after Hitman Absolution had a Facebook app campaign where you could put hits out on your friends and give reasons why you were having them killed. And it, it, several of the options for males and females were to do with their appearance. 
And so you were literally sending messages to your friends saying, I think you should be killed because you look this way or have this about you. And that in and of itself is pretty distasteful. It could cause offence. Yes, absolutely. The problem is they then came out and said, oh, no, this this went out without us knowing. This is our advertising company. Don't throw an ad company under the bus because you made an error in judgment. And that's the problem. Their excuses always ring pretty hollow to me. The other problem you mentioned is balance. I think that's the thing. When when we're talking about, you know, you said you don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon. The bigger issue is you don't want to sound like what we're saying is censorship needs to come in because it doesn't. None of yeah. these instances in and of themselves, it, it, there is there really a problem with existing. In theory and art, you should be able to do pretty much anything as long as you're not inciting hatred, violence, and, and and persecution of people, which I think they have flittered a little too close to the mark, possibly over the mark in some of those uh, those areas. But it's not about each individual episode that I will have had. It's about a balance, and the balance is completely just out of sorts at the moment. It's so easy to make something that get that garners controversy and gets a headline and that gets free advertising, it gets attention, good, bad or otherwise, it helps your game. But what you need is companies to not be looking at the bottom line and to start taking an interest in doing what they think is furthering themselves and their games and video games as a whole, creatively and artistically, and maybe not just going for the cheap headline. And that's where IO have fallen foul, I, I feel, certainly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my favorite level. Um, I just want to say about Curtains Down, I think possibly the reason that that was mentioned so heavily and why it seems to be so indicative of, of what I think, pro, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, what a lot of us think of when we think of Hitman Blood Money is because it was almost certainly, I've got to imagine, the first level they created, given that it is the level that leads to the events of Hitman Contracts. I know paradoxically Hitman Contracts came first, but the whole setup for that game is is Agent 47 is in Paris and injured, having just killed Richard Delahunt and I forget the name of the tenor that you kill in Curtains Down. Um, and he's been wounded and, and goes back to his hotel room. And the uh, the third uh, the third uh, target you have is is the police officer who comes after you in, in Hitman contracts. So it, it seems likely that that was possibly the first scenario they created as being the prelude to to the events of a, of a previous game. Um, but uh, I, I, I do very much like that level, but the, the level that stands out to me particularly is Murder of Crows. Um, it's not the only level in the game where you have three targets, um, but technically and in terms of, uh, of level design and what you're actually doing, I think it's just incredibly interesting. There's a lot going on. Um, going back to it now, it sounds ridiculous to say this wasn't a technically impressive level because you walk through a load of wobble-bottom people. Um, but to have that many ostensibly NPC characters on screen animated at the same time was a massive feat. It, it just, it certainly to me, I, it's, if Leon were here, he may point to another example but i remember at the time there being a lot of attention and to me it was the first time i'd seen that many characters in quotation marks on screen at one time um and yes they obviously dialed down uh a lot of the animations and physics that were going on and just made the people kind of slide out of agent 47's way when he's walking through them um and there, there is a lot of repetition of character models etc but 
technically it is actually a really impressive level. You're in um, a carnival. Uh, the, the streets are just filled with and you have multiple targets and you're also aware that there is someone there looking for you who knows you are there. Um, uh, and, and it doesn't quite capture what, Brian, you were saying about Curtains Down where you have the linked deaths, but you, you can... Um, get information after each one of the kills that you have to do, which you can do in any order. Um, so each kill, you can get more information and you can start to play with the other targets in terms of drawing them to somewhere where you can then kill them in terms of finding extra information to find out where they are from radio chatter that you're getting. Um, I think that just it, it, for an open space that's filled with, you know, police that are there, um, there's this whole... A group who are all dressed up in bird suits um, that are essentially a gang that you're trying to target three members of. It's just all really interesting and you've got the difference between the quiet back alleys where you feel like you can prowl and then the open areas where um, amongst the crowd who aren't really responding to you, there are police and there are targets and there are people that you have to track and follow and it's that real sort of dynamic between the the solitary quiet patient waiting game and then the the more dynamic social stealth aspect where you're getting into the costume and trying to trick people into getting to certain certain vulnerable places i just thought it was a really clever and and visually quite uh interesting and technically impressive level and of course you can comically drop a piano on someone which yeah, you can indeed, which which is, oh, is great. And it, it you mentioned that big crowd, and it's quite interesting because I know that a big deal was made of the nightclub scene from Kane and Lynch after this game for having so many people on screen, and it was mm. weird because obviously this had done it beforehand from yeah. the same company. Although I think in Kane and Lynch they were possibly better animated and more individually yeah. uh, created characters rather yeah. than a, a mass of people. But yeah, um, I think just to quickly cover my favourite mm. level, I, again, I love Curtains Down, but my favourite's actually... Um, I mean, I love Curtains Down. I love Death on the Mississippi on the boat. Mm. I love Till Death Do Us Part, uh, the wedding. Um, but the most memorable one for me is probably Flatline in the uh, rehab clinic. Um, yeah. uh, which, you know, it, it, I think it goes to show that we've all mentioned so many different levels. The four of us all have a different favourite level. Um, you know, like I said, there's 12 in the game. That's a third of the levels shared amongst us so it's certainly a strong showing for for quality of level um and best of all we, we've discussed them all without giving too much away so people can play them um <laughs> but yeah the the, the I, I love the idea of sneaking into the rehab clinic and um the accidental death of i, I mentioned it earlier of altering the gas on a on a stove so yeah, it explodes and um <laughs> Yeah, and and sort of sneaking through in doctor's robes and stuff was it, that one just that that for me was the experience that I imagine Hitman being, you know, dressing up as a doctor and walking past everyone and, you know, quickly sort of looking away. And that that for me just absolutely... And it's weird because that's actually one of the levels I did not like on my first playthrough. Um, and it's one of those that I learned that level and ended up sort of really appreciating uh, the design, um, which which I think is a case for a few of them. Um, and, and with our opinions on the levels, I think we should probably have some feedback from the forums. Um uh, Jay, do you want to read the first one? Yeah, uh, this is from Andy Kurosaki. Uh, Hitman used to be a series I held in very high regard. I played through Blood Money twice, PS2 and then 360. Each mission was an exciting new challenge, encouraging you to investigate each level to figure out silent assassin opportunities. 
I also found it fun to do the exact opposite. In this and the previous games in the series, I'd grab a knife and see how many guards, civilians I could kill and dispose of before somebody noticed. Then I'd crack a gun out and kill all the guards before hand-to-hand murdering everyone else in the level. Made me laugh anyway. Then Absolution came out, which utterly ruined the series for me. How does killing somebody in front of a crowd still reward you with Silent Assassin? Ridiculous. With that and the god-awful Kane and Lynch series, I've lost all respect for IR. I read a next-gen Hitman was cancelled, and honestly, I couldn't give a damn. Follow My Ruin said, I'd say that the Hitman series never fails to give me a great sense of agency. I don't necessarily think that's a play on words. Mm. Um, I find my body coiling as 47 wraps the piano wire around his hands and creeps towards a victim. I grip my teeth together and crush my fingers into my controller as I garrote the target. I think that this is achieved through the way the Hitman series presents the mundane, the banal. I feel that so much of each level is spent observing the choreography of characters. Uh, what is where in trying to suss a weak spot? It's very much a puzzle you need to piece together. As such, when I'm executing my plan, I'm invested in the tension and the risk. I'm achieving the hit, not simply performing it. I don't feel this is shared with other stealth titles. I'm not sure as to what extent I'm projecting this sensation onto the game, but I would say the game mechanics help to generate the sense of immersion and accountability. Of course, this is only achieved when you're playing Hitman in the manner where you're going for a silent assassin rating. If you're going to play it like your Rambo, it's woeful. Um, I, I think that that's an interesting piece of feedback because um, I, I tend to agree, and I think possibly the difference between, I mean, certainly between uh, Hitman and Splinter Cell is often in Splinter Cell you're able to take action from a place of relative safety from the darkness because it's got the light dark mechanic, whereas in Hitman inevitably if you are walking up behind someone to knock them out or to to kill them silently um you are out in the open they could turn around and see you there could be another character uh, spots you when you're out in the open but you're always doing it from a position of vulnerability which i think does add to attention there um quite significantly and you've also then got the added tension in in blood money of having to try and hide that body because if you don't it will scupper your chances of of getting away clean um so that's quite interesting um, and there's levels of it as well in terms of having to pick up your um, your suit on the way out. So you've got to try and think about all, all the times you're never safe mm. until that level ends. There's no real safe spots um, to get your work done, which is, is quite cool, I think. Uh, so Daniel Gomez says, not going to lie, this game is amazing. It reminded me of why I liked the original Assassin's Creed so much. But this picks that formula and takes it to the next level. Only this was made before Assassin's Creed, so that game doesn't look all that good anymore. Unlike other stealth games like Metal Gear or Splinter Cell where the focus is infiltration, the focus here is on social stealth, blending with the crowd and carrying out your objectives with nobody realising you were there. I think having that as the focus allowed developers, allowed the developers to focus a lot on level design, which is friggin' amazing by the way. That allowed multiple approaches and scenarios to play out instead of just enemy placement or AI so much so that the game is kind of easy to complete. I played on the second hardest difficulty, and just getting the objective done was never too hard, once you got a good grasp on your surroundings. The goal here though isn't about completing objectives, but how well and creatively can you do them, and that's where the challenge lies and why this game is so fun. I'd replay the same mission several times, just to see all the ways I could have taken out the target. I'd then choose the one I found most interesting and carry out the deed. 
I've even found the story interesting. Yeah, Agent 47 is the most boring protagonist ever, but he's very well characterised here and fits completely in this spy versus spy game with politics mixed in. I do have a few minor nitpicks, such as how the AI can be very bipolar at times, acting ultra-violent to minor things and being passive when you're doing something wrong, or how the limited number of saves can be a pain in the ass in higher difficulties, especially when you have multiple objectives to take care of. It's not that it's too much of a problem, but I just wish it, I didn't have to sacrifice AI behaviour to have additional saves. But like I said, these are minor things, and overall this is a fantastic game that any stealth fan owes, owes to themselves to play. It makes me sad knowing that Absolution was such a step backwards for the series in comparison. I just hope that Square Enix realised the potential of this series after stuff like Metal Gear Solid Five comes out and give it another shot. So I think it's interesting that... Um... He mentions the AI being very bipolar. Um, if he thinks the AI is very bipolar in Blood Money, he probably shouldn't try the first three games because yeah. those are some of the most random AIs ever where they just sort of turn and shoot you for no apparent reason. I, I personally, I didn't think it was great in Blood Money, but I, I certainly didn't find that it played up that much. I, my problem with the AI was mainly the way that whenever you were walking behind a character they always seem to have their head turned to look at you uh yeah. and i found that to be a bit frustrating and caused a few errors i mean maybe that's you know a design decision that was made to you know increase the difficulty or require you to be a bit more stealthy so you know going into the low crouch mode so you would walk quieter but it, it always felt weird and how whenever you bumped into somebody they would stop dead and look at you and it just yeah it, it felt odd it felt uh, unnaturalistic and I think that was certainly something they could look to improve yeah. in later games. Yeah, part of what they did, which is um, to do with walking behind or bumping into someone, um, part of what they introduced in Blood Money that hadn't been really around uh, previously is that there was a sliding scale of how much suspicion you would raise depending upon how close you were to the the enemy characters or NPC characters, um, which is, is, is a sound um, design choice. Obviously, the idea being if you're far away, people aren't going to really notice the little things that might give you away, whereas if you're up close, they may well notice that... Uh, you know, you do you weren't carrying the right gun, or um, that your your outfit wasn't quite right, or there was something different about you, or they didn't recognise you. So, I think the reasoning behind it is quite smart. But yeah, it's it even in Blood Money, it can be uh, a bit sort of erratic as to how characters are going to respond to you. Um, but it's definitely better than the the previous games. Okay, the rooster writes. I love the Hitman series, and Hitman Blood Money is the best of them. Originally played on the PlayStation 2, I played through it again recently on Xbox 360. Better graphics and sharper controls only improved the experience. The thing I love about all Hitman games is the waiting and watching, until you find that perfect moment to strike. I didn't really listen to the storyline much, I was too interested in finding out who my next victim was. I didn't care why, as any good Hitman wouldn't. Certain missions stand out. The opera, the Christmas one and the Mardi Gras were highlights. I remember one mission where I was meeting my victim in restaurant, and I struggled with it for ages, turned off the console and went to bed. I couldn't sleep, but possible solutions went through my head until finally at 3am I had that eureka moment. It was totally worth it. All in all, a great game with perfectly designed levels that challenged the player to think of different solutions, not just shooting everyone in sight. I loved every second. Rich Woodward. Hitman Blood Money is one of my most played games. I acquired it for the original Xbox and played nothing else for a long time. I also own it on the 360, I'm ashamed to say, because I saw it and thought I could do with a 1000G. 
I played it so much that I know every inch of it. No longer do I walk around an area examining points of interest. No longer do I need to figure out how to get into restricted areas without killing everyone. No longer is every level a wonderful multi-layered puzzle to be solved. The thing is though, when I play it now, I don't enjoy it any less. It's become this glorious meta game where I attempt to complete the hit in the most awkward, difficult or funny way possible. Sometimes I attempt to kill everyone in the level without being detected. Sometimes I, I'll try and use nothing but a kitchen knife, a nail gun or hedge clippers. My favourite thing to do is attempt to kill every target in the game using nothing but my customised W2000 sniper. Attempting this causes you to explore every inch of the levels as you hunt for a suitable, discreet perch. You discover things you didn't know were there, the intrigue and the challenge returns. And then the tension as you try and assemble the weapon, take the shot, disassemble it and skulk away without being seen is fantastic. Everything has come together and it takes tremendous timing. It's really hard on some levels and really fun. Doing stuff like this makes you realise how many good ways to go about doing a level there are there. I know this isn't the most polished game, it has problems, particularly with the AI, but I love it. As for the others, not play the first, but two and three are fine. Three had some interesting ideas in some of its levels, particularly the one where you storm a ship disguised as SWAT, and the country manor level, one of my favourite in the series, but lets the game down on even worse AI. Sometimes they open fire for no discernible reason. As for Absolution, I have been far too upset to play it for more than 10 minutes. Blood money, best of the bunch by a way. Also, sometimes I like to imagine each guy has a family at home, that he has a name like Barry or Percy, and just maybe he's one day away from retirement. Then I murder him. It brings out the best in people, this game. I think. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, this, like Manhunt, is a very difficult series of games to talk about without sounding slightly unhinged, I think. Can I? I, I mean, I, I, we're not going to go into too much detail as to why, because it may very well get its own show at some point down the line. Mm. Who knows? But I'm just interested. Who? There's an awful lot of hate for Absolution. Now, here's the thing. It, I actually really enjoyed the game. Mm. I didn't have a, any issue with it at all. Maybe in part, personally, it's to do with the controls are slicker and tighter yeah. than they've been in previous games. And for that, it felt, you know, everything seemed to click or fit right quite early on. Um, I'm just curious what everybody else felt about that game because I certainly, I, in a way, I feel it's, an improvement along the series, not a, not as a lot of people seem to think as a backwards, but maybe I'm on my no, own. No, I'm I'm with you there. I really enjoyed Absolution. I, I think there were they got bits of it wrong uh, in terms of yeah. the save system, the way it kind of reset the level every time you saved or reloaded. I thought that was mm -hmm. a yeah. I don't even understand how they arrived at that decision, whether it was just a limitation of the engine or of the memory or whatever it was. Uh, I think some of the disguise mechanism that they changed i think that could have mm. been toned down a bit because that made it a bit difficult but i love i like the way you know for all the faults that we had with blood money in the in the the, the, the fractured narrative i like the way they tried to tell a, a, a cohesive story and the way they mm. like to show how agent 47 got from place to place so it, it felt much more of a connected world uh, so for that reason, I, for that reason, I hope to be on the Absolution podcast so I can stand up for it because it is uh, definitely. I don't see it as a being an abomination, as Carl said at the outset. Well, I mean, my problem with it is probably. I, I, I mean, I really like the engine that it's in. 
you know, it, it gets a lot of things right. The, the shooting feels well, although I don't really use it. The uh, the cover system, uh, obviously graphically, uh, all that worked. But I think the problem was with when they tried to tell a cohesive story, the environment sort of led on one from another, and none of them felt like very well-designed set pieces from the outset. Whereas, you know, you mentioned... Um, how you think curtains down was probably the first design level because they all probably got around a table and said, well, this would be cool and we can design it like this. And then they've written the story around it. I think Hitman Absolution clearly had a story first and then they mm. tried to write in levels to sort of create a timeline. And it just a lot of those levels did not feel that special. I mean, there are, there are a couple that, that, that come off quite well. The library that was using all the videos was pretty cool to go around. The Chinatown was pretty cool, and the rest of them were just very average to poor, in my opinion. I, like, I have memories, strong memories of every level in Blood Money, and I would struggle to remember more than those. Well, I am struggling to remember more than those two levels from uh, Absolution, and did, I don't yeah. think adding the story necessarily added anything to that game. It felt like they were taking the game away from the fans who loved that game series for a reason and tried to make it another way to try and recruit more people into being fans of that series. And that's something I absolutely hate because it's something that's just been done with Thief. And, you know, you see it all the time, the change, the formula to a game that is very popular amongst a cult following of fans. And that is probably, the, you end up losing those fans and you're not necessarily going to recruit the new ones to replace them. And I think that is what happened with Hitman Absolution. You know, the I, 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 I do understand a lot of those points you're doing I, I, in some ways I do agree with them but you know particularly about there not being any particular standout levels I, I can agree with that but here's the thing um, quite honestly if I was to work out the time I've spent playing each individual Hitman game this is probably the most popular one of the whole series and it's not even a game as such it's it's a little mini add-on thing that came out pre-release which is Hitman Sniper Mission and that was excellent yeah, yeah, Brilliant. and and I, when I played this, I anticipate. I just honestly, uh, when I when I played this I, at first, I was like, I don't get this. I don't mm -hmm. know what the hell. And then it all started to click, and I then I think, and I have put literally, I would say, nothing short of a hundred hours on this, and it's one level, and it can be over in in a minute if you if you just if you want to play it that way but you don't if i got charged the you know the average 10 pound fee that they charge for digital games or 12 pounds as it is now mm. i would happily have paid that for that game and i will categorically say that is my favorite pre-order gift of any game i've ever had because like you jay i put so mm. much time into it and it was fun and it was also the biggest false advertising for him and absolution yeah, yeah. was like because yeah. that game was nothing like that 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 Sniper Mission felt like something out of Blood Money in how creative it was, you know, the, the the ability to sort of shoot the switch on the elevator and have someone fall down it as an accidental death, and yeah. you're trying to discover all this from your little perch. It's absolutely incredible. And then, like, there was none of those special moments in Absolution, and it was like, why are these so far apart? Yeah. You know, why? The, I can only assume a different design team worked on Sniper Challenge, because... I didn't know until you've just mentioned it now, that it was a pre-order bonus because I got it free when I got the uh, Absolution with um, PS Plus. Yeah. yeah, it came as And so I was yeah. like, this is amazing. Like, This is great. Mm. I'm like, please, make an entire game of this. But like you said, it's strange. Like, you assume the team that made that just gone off and done something else. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's just a really strange one because um, I absolutely adored the Sniper Challenge and I had very much a similar thing to you, Jay, where I first started playing it and at the time, James Batchelor then of, of Game Burst um, had, I think, it must have been around a, a million points or so was his score mm. and I could not fathom. I was getting maybe thirty, forty thousand 40,000 points. <laughs> yeah. could not fathom how to do it. And of course, the first secret is to unlock all the, find all the hidden items and secret yeah. stuff because they're multipliers and they're not multipliers yeah. for that one time you try it it's multipliers for your score henceforth yeah. um and then yeah you just start finding really creative ways um and i got down to the point where i was i was running it through in about five minutes um and it was pure muscle memory just mm. knowing when i had to hit people at certain times and making sure that i lined my shots up correctly um but it just felt like for such a I mean, relatively simple thing because you're you, as Hitman as Hitman as Agent Forty Seven. You don't move. You don't go anywhere. It's literally you and a, and a pair yeah. of crosshairs. Um, but there's so much detail presented to you, mm. um, and it becomes a puzzle of working out the different ways in which you can build a combo and a, and a multiplier to try and bring your score up as much, much as possible. But it had all the core tenets of a game like Blood Money in it. Um. So we'll go through some three-word reviews. Uh, we'll start. I'll start these off with uh, Magic Joe F. Perfectly sized sandboxes. The Rooster. Uh, perfectly executed challenge. Callum O'Neill says, wait for it. Simon Poulton says, bloody amazing game. Daniel Gomez. Unfortunate accidents simulator. Catatonic Gnarly. F in bolt level. Cy Cole says, Bravo, Baldy. Bravo. And Rich Woodward says, murder is great. Rich proving that he's still <laughs> incredibly dark. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, finish up. We'll wrap up with our brief summaries. Um, Brian? Well, I think the uh, conversation about Hitman Absolution has actually made me want to go back and, and play that. And I think it's one of those games that uh, would benefit from you going back and playing Blood Money. Uh, so you can put the two games in context. So if you've not played Blood Money before, you know it's a game that you should go back to to see the, I guess the history of the series, and then see where it's gone with Absolution, and then come back in time for the Absolution podcast whenever that might be. Uh, but as for Blood Money, you know I, I still found those uh, those first six levels, uh, the, the memorable levels for me, to be as exciting and interesting and fun and compelling as I did the first time playing it back on the original Xbox. Uh, I did again, I think I burnt out by playing through the early levels so many times to try and get the uh, Silent Assassin rating that the latter half of the game did sort of drag for me. I think it probably uh, was a few levels too long for my liking. But I think it, as a game, I think it holds up well. I got the uh, HD uh, remaster on the PlayStation Store a little while ago. And yeah, as 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 a game today, you know, it's dated a bit. The visuals are dated a bit. The AI isn't as good as it could be. The controls are a bit shonky. Uh, but I think it still has enough of the uh, the ingredients that that made it stand out uh, all those years ago when it first came out. That it it warrants a return to it again. Yeah, I think with um, Hitman Blood Money, I think. The quality of level design will always shine through, going back to it, because some of those levels are an absolute masterclass in how to creative, uh, creatively 
um, sort of assault the player in in how to approach something. And, you know, we we all remember certain moments from the game. You know, I've obviously got the gas stove. uh, Brian mentioned the, the, the... swap of the gun in curtains down and there are so many more across those levels i I would have appreciated more probably more ways to accidentally kill someone but the fact that there's actually at least one a level is certainly more than most offer and um it's for that reason alone i would absolutely recommend it be played i I mentioned early on and, and jay mentioned it as well the controls are in my opinion awful um absolutely reprehensibly bad but what if you sort of battle the controls, you can sort of get used to it, and um, the, the you know the quality of the game will actually shine through, regardless of how the AI is, regardless of the graphics or the sound or the the little quirks of the enemies. Um, it does this magical thing that that only certain kinds of games do, uh, where you can be playing it and you'll maybe approach it a certain way and it'll cross the back of your mind thinking, I was probably the only person in the world that did it like this, and then you realise obviously you're not because that's what the good game design does and it didn't really shine through to me so the first time i played it i got frustrated with the game i lent it to my friend he recommended i played it and then i took it to a gaming lan um as as in my package of games and i had a friend it was actually simon Paulton who read a a three-word review and he said oh i'll play a bit for you because he saw that my achievements were lacking on it and i watched him play and i was like oh, he did it differently to me. That's really good. And then I played a little bit, and he actually sat through in one night and played the whole game through, and I didn't watch it all. But uh, then I thought, well, I'm going to play it, and I played it in a different way. And then I looked at YouTube videos, and other people were playing it different ways, and I thought, well, this is really open. Like, there's loads of ways to sort of appreciate it. And then I ended up going through on all the difficulties because it was one of those awful games where if you wanted all the achievements for the difficulties, you actually had to, you know, you couldn't just do it on the hardest difficulty and have it stack. You actually had to complete it independently across all the difficulties and it that sort of allowed me to play it lots of different ways leading up into my hardest difficulty assassin uh, run through and it was almost like everything was practice and practice until you know the actual finale where uh, i decided no saves i had to leave in my suit um and i had to get the absolute perfect ratings accidental kills and it was just so memorable for that reason i mean i put a lot of time and effort into that game but it felt like i felt like i was rewarded back and even going back to it years later it still held that quality for me and there are very few games and stealth games can age so badly because mechanics are always improving and engines are always improving and i would like to play something like hitman blood marine in the absolution engine absolutely because that's a far better engine but there's just something that's really magical about this game and i you know i've since played little bits of the earlier hitman games and that didn't it just felt like it all culminated in hitman blood money being you know the creative uh, creatively the strongest experience of them all and for that reason i would absolutely recommend anyone play it i don't think i would actually recommend anybody to play it i think you touched upon it yourself if they remade this given absolutions controls and engine definitely jump all over that stuff i mean that that that, yeah it'd be fantastic but in its current form i don't know i mean depends on how accepting you are of those aged mechanics and grotesque character models and and sort of you know somewhat sort of drab visuals um but no, I wouldn't. I, I, if if you if you're kind of in the present, I would say purchase uh, Hitman Sniper uh, Challenge and play that instead. <laughs> but I don't want to dismiss what uh, Hitman Blood Money did. 
or, or has done, but it was of its day. Mm. And I, I, I particularly found it quite hard work to go back. I still saw the greatness in its levels and stuff, and I appreciate that. But it, I was at such odds with the mechanics now and just the little details, the character models, the animations. Um, yeah, I just found myself growing impatient with that stuff to a point. Um, whether as, you know, will I ever go back and play it? Not a chance, really. But I look forward to see where they're going to go. with Because I enjoy, as I said earlier, we enjoyed Absolution, so I'm interested to see where they where they go with the next Hitman game. And hopefully they, they strike a better balance uh, between things and namely give me loads of sniper challenge missions. But, you know. It's, it's a weird one, this. Um, I, I fell in love with the Hitman series the very first level of Silent Assassin when I walked up behind a, a guard who was stood relieving himself at a tree, garroted him, took mm. his clothes and snuck in, and as I did so, noticed a flower delivery man coming up the front driveway um, to to deliver flowers to, to the house um, and suddenly realised there was another way to get into that house. Um, that just showed me that I had this giant sort of mansion um, to to explore and including grounds and so many possibilities for how to do so and that's the word that rings in my head when I think of of Hitman games it's the possibilities um, and and definitely through through the four games culminating in Blood Money the games became um, more friendly they added extra quirks and extra ways of doing things and they refined um, their core ideas that they had right from Codename Forty Seven onwards. But the moment at which I saw the possibility for what Hitman could be was Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. I went back to try and play Silent Assassin um, only a, a few weeks ago now. It is incredibly difficult to pick up now. It's incredibly unfriendly, but it still has level design akin to Blood Money. It still has the core ideas there. It's just that Blood Money is much, much friendlier in terms of controls, in terms of um, giving a tutorial to the player to kind of learn some of the ropes to at least give a player some tools with which to then go and play in each of the mission's playgrounds. Um, but but Blood Money, you know, is undoubtedly the friendliest. Uh, it, it, is, it has very little weaknesses in my mind, being as I came from games that did everything that we've said blood money doesn't do particularly well which um which we have been quite honest with i think but i came from playing games that did those things arguably worse so blood money seemed a lot more approachable but it's it it doesn't have the the language of games that they tried to inject into it with a an understandable control scheme making it more approachable for people who are used to um third person shooters and action games um without being this kind of trial and error puzzle game blood money still is those things and it is um arguably the pinnacle i think of of the hitman games it's not my personal favorite but it is what people look to i think and certainly what i look to if if i'm thinking about where hitman can go in the future blood money is what i point to and say do what do what you did there do that continue to refine continue to make things better but there's your template that's what io should have in mind um the sniper challenge is a perfect example of that it's one mission it could have been one of 12 or 13 
not necessarily entirely like it, but thematically like it. And I would have been immensely happy um, had a game like that come out. Um, so yeah, hopefully Hitman Six, whenever it shall come, uh, will will take those uh, aspects, um, and and that would make me very happy. And and by the sounds of it, a few more other people as well. So. Thanks. With that, it's left to me to thank Brian, Jay, and James for their participation in this podcast. Thanks, guys. In issue 132, we'll be racing down the highways to a decidedly pop rock soundtrack, continuing our discussion with Criterion's Burnout Three Takedown and Burnout Revenge. With that, I'll catch you later.